0: You're listening to a podcast from Westwind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Well, thanks, Nate, and good morning, Westwind. It's, it's so good to be with you this morning. Um, I was reflecting on today and the sermon, and I was brought back uh, to the crazy change in our world back in March of 2020. It feels like forever ago, um, but yet it was only five plus months ago that our world around us changed. And a couple of big things happened here in the United States for us that that started spreading from across the globe, and that was COVID-19. It came. Um, with a huge impact on our way of life, on our health, on our well-being, on everything. And it changed everything from how we work, from how we do relationships, from how we engage family, from how we engage the world, from how we get outside of our houses and and enjoy the places and the things around us. It just changed everything. It was huge. In my lifetime, uh, probably one of the the biggest changes of lifestyle and culture shift that I've ever experienced. And not only was it the way that I lived my life and and kind of functioned in my day-to-day, but it also just really impacted my heart. It impacted my mind, the way I thought, my emotions, things like that. It was crazy to experience all the things that have gone on, wasn't it? I wonder, and I think that you probably would agree, there's those levels that you probably can't even still explain the impacts, but you feel it, but you can't put it into words. But as we've watched it unfold, it was a game changer for our globe, for our world, for us, right here in our city. But there's something else that also happened in March of 2020. Toilet paper. I still don't get it. All of a sudden, this this small roll of paper Used for the bathroom became off the charts, wanted by everybody and i i, I can 't explain it i 'm I might be a little ashamed to say that I've read too many articles on why toilet paper was such a big issue, big deal, big thing that people wanted to gain access to, to have. It blew my mind to walk into a Target and to see those shelves completely empty. I've never experienced that in my life when it comes to toilet paper. And I've traveled around the world and I've seen tons of different kinds of toilet paper. And I think we're blessed in the United States to have some of the best, um, but it was Nuts to see people just taking all that they possibly could. I looked at pictures, and then that time there was two images I saw often in the news. One were images of the impacts of COVID on people's health, on their life, on on death, and it was powerful to see mass graves being dug in New York, to seeing people on ventilators in hospitals. It was tragic. It was sad. It was it was heartbreaking in that way. And then then the very same news feed you. Would see people with grocery carts packed out the back of their SUVs stuffed with toilet paper. 60% increase in sales revenue for toilet paper companies in the United States alone in the month of March. 60% increase in toilet paper in the countries like Italy, which was hit the hardest um, around the globe, but also in countries like Australia, a 140% sales revenue increase for toilet paper companies. I don't even know what to say about that. But it was nuts for me to think, and no one has a good answer of why people went running after the teepee like they did. It wasn't that it was going to solve the problem. Toilet paper has not been scientifically proven to to heal, to mend, to cure COVID-19. It's just not there. And we're relatively back to normal, even though COVID-19 still seems to be pushing through our society and our world today but there's something that I think I do have an answer for you. It goes down to the root and the core of our humanity and our brokenness. It's greed. It's, it's this idea, the Bible uses the word covetousness, that we, we see something and we just need more of it. And in that, um, there's a fear that if we don't have this thing, we don't have this control over this thing, that, that we're, something's going to go off, that we're going to lose on something, that we're going to be lost. And so the brokenness of our humanity says, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to this product because I can control this. And I think that if I have this one thing, it's not even about to appear. It could have been something different. But in this situation, that's what it was. But it revealed the heart of mankind. It revealed this fear in us, this greed in us to control our own future, to take into uh, our hands what we think the outcome may be for our future. And it was revealing. So it's not about sales, revenue, and it's not about uh, what that was on a toilet paper roll. It was about the heart of mankind. It, It revealed the truth of our brokenness, our need, our desperation for something that we don't quite understand. And so I want to dive into today's passage out of Luke. Uh, And today, if you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to grab your digital uh, worship guide because I want to use that later on in the sermon. But we'll be in Luke 12, uh, verse 13 through 21 today. But I want to go back because there is a good amount of scripture that has transpired from where Pastor Keith left us last week and leading into this week. And here's some things that that Jesus starts uh, sharing and teaching about, both to uh, his disciples, but also to those that were listening around him, the religious leaders and teachers that were there, as well as people that are just following him, trying to learn from him and experience what he's gonna do and wait to see what he might do next. And he gives these eight warnings uh, throughout those passages of scripture. And I just wanna give you some bullet points in those eight warnings. The warning number one, uh, starting way back in, in Luke chapter 11 was, uh, who, whoever is not with me If you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not with me, you won't experience the blessings of who I am. And then he moves into warning number two that we need to guard our houses. We need to take take hold of and understand that what we have, the most intimate parts of who we are, needs to be protected. We need to guard it and to make sure that it is all in order. And warning number three, that there's an evil generation that will be brought to judgment, that that generation that is running after evil ways, that is running after the things that are not of God, they will be brought to judgment. And then warning number four, that we can't let our light go out. We can't let our light be covered by the darkness. We can't let our light, be snuffed. We have to hold them brightly. Warning number five, that we don't only just cleanse the outside of our lives. We've got to look deeper into the soul, the issue of our lives, the things that are deeper inside of us, the roots of our brokenness, and be aware of what those things are. And then warning number six, that nothing will be hidden that there's nothing in our lives that we can truly get around, that we can truly stuff into our dark corner and no one will ever see. It will come to light. Morning number seven. We have to fear God only. That he is the ultimate sovereign hand that'll move through our world, our culture, our heart to lead us to transformation. And ultimately at the end, when he returns, there will be a judgment seat that we will be upon. And so we need to fear the power and the reverence and the awe of who God is, that he is bigger than all things, that he's bigger than a a pandemic, that he's bigger than a toilet paper shortage, that he's bigger than our brokenness in our lives, and he's bigger than our sin. And then warning number eight, that he who denies will be denied. That if we just put God off to the side and we say, I don't know you, I don't love you, I don't trust you, I don't get you, and we never engage him. We'll miss the opportunity of being with him. And that leads us into this teaching that we're gonna be in today out of Luke 12, starting in verse 13. So what I wanna do is uh, read the passage to you, and I wanna break the passage down and just look at what he's teaching uh, in in his disciples in the response to this man who asks a question. So let's read that, starting in verse 13, Luke chapter 12. It says this Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he then said to them, speaking of the disciples, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up a treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So Jesus is walking along amongst these crowds that are following him. He's just in the midst of this. His disciples are right around him, um, surrounding him, listening to him as he's walking and sharing and teaching them as they go. And this man comes up, and I can only imagine with the amount of people that were probably around Jesus at this moment, all the teaching he's been doing. There's lots of questions that are coming at him. People want to hear what he has to say. He's been seen as a man who teaches with an authority that they don't quite get. And so they want to hear what he has to say and soak that in and listen. And then some of the teachers of law are trying to trap him. We've already seen this come up. They're trying to pin him in a corner. But this man comes out and he says, uh, this one question, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus' response is so powerful, but he said to him, man, who who made me the judge or arbitrator over you? And so this man's looking at Jesus as if this guy's got this kind of authority, if he knows the word, if he knows the, uh, the law this well, he can speak on behalf of my grievance, on behalf of what I need and, and what I desire, and really more probably more so what he just Wanted. So in the Old Testament, we see this thing happening when there's an inheritance. If you go back to the Old Testament law, there's the part of this law that that inheritance will actually be doubled and the, the oldest brother would get that inheritance. So here's a dude that's looking at it and saying, hey, if he's getting double, I want my portion, I want my, my share too because he's got enough and so he can split that. So Jesus, would you work that out with me? Would you get into my personal mess and do this with, because I just want the gain, I want the money. And Jesus says, hey, that's, that's not what my job is. That's not what my role is. And so if you pause this real quick, let's just be reminded of what Jesus' mission was because if you, if you choose to read in between the words here, I think that's the important part to read. That Jesus' mission was, Luke 19, to seek and to save the lost. To not be an arbitrator of personal financial issues between you and your family. And then John 10, he came to give life, abundant life, that we can have life to the fullest. His mission was to seek and to save the lost and to give abundant life to those that would choose to follow him. Jesus understood that in the statements like, hey, my job is not to be an arbitrator or a judge on your personal financial issues. I have a different purpose, a different mission that I want to engage you on. So let's talk about what that is. And he said, turn to, to his disciples and teaching, knowing that this man and everyone around him here, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Take care. That means you're aware of the needs around you. That means you're aware of the things that are impacting you, that, that have a negative impact on you, that can deplete you, that can drain you, take care of those things and guard yourself against them. And in this specific sense, he's saying against covetousness. So what is covetousness? It's simply this. It's a desire to have more than what you've already been given. So you've been given this, this blessing. You have this life. You have these possessions. You have these this, this things around you. And Covid says, no, this is is great, I want more. I've already got enough toilet paper for six months, but I want more, so I'm gonna get into there, I'm gonna pack out my car, I'm gonna fill uh, the grocery cart in seven different stores, I want more. And it reveals the brokenness of our hearts and of ourselves, our humanity, that we can never have enough that we're always just looking for more. And then we see someone else who has something that we want, and that's all we think about. We drive ourselves forward, forward towards that. And what Jesus is saying, hey, take care. Be on your guard against such a broken part of your humanity. You will have to protect yourself from covetousness. And he reminds him, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. Life isn't about what you gain and what you fill your house with, what you fill your life with, there's so much more. And Jesus does not say, let me pause and say this. He doesn't say that possessions are bad. He doesn't say that abundance is bad. The Lord blesses. And Pastor Keith just talked about that last week, that he wants to bless. He's a hospitable father. He wants to provide for you. He desires for you. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is, is talking about. He's giving us these warnings. He's giving us this story, not because he wants us to stop feeling the abundance, but he wants to give us the abundance. And remember, that's part of his mission to to give a life, an abundant life to us. But if we turn our attention on all the things that are selfish and all the things that, that we see others have, we just want more of that. And we miss the blessing he's given us. We're off course. We're letting that brokenness in our humanity bubble up and spring out of us more than the living spring of life, the person of the Holy Spirit and Jesus in us. And he tells this story about this man and I think this story is so funny when you really look into it. So here's this guy, he, he's already rich. He established that there's a rich man who had an abundance, a, an overflowing harvest. So this guy's already got wealth. His farms are already doing really, really well. But this year, the Lord, God blessed him with an abundance of harvest. And for all of you farmers out there, people you know, when there's an abundance of harvest, it is absolutely a blessing from God. It's a faith move to be a farmer, in my opinion. And so when you see that abundance of harvest, it's an above and beyond blessing from God. But this guy didn't look at it, and he even starts having this internal conversation with himself, he doesn't look, say, I'm wealthy, and so there's probably some people along the, along the path with me, maybe, maybe advisors, maybe uh, um, even a tax collector might be advising on that, friends, other people, my family, my spouse, my, my father, my brother, whomever it may be. No, he starts having this conversation with himself. And he goes, well, self He talks about soul, the ESV translation uses soul. And the idea of soul, when you break down to it, it's like your body, your mind, um, your breath. It's everything that you are, that word soul. It's talking about the fullness of who you are in every possible way. And he goes, soul, what should we do? I have everything that I need, but I don't have big enough houses uh, to, to store this abundance. So hey, soul, let's build some more ones, bigger ones. Let's tear down the small things and let's add to more of these things. And, and then now that we have all of this stuff, let's basically just party. You and me, just you and me, soul. You me, self. Let's get this done. And as Jesus is telling the story, I just find this comical that he's having this, this rich man is having this conversation with himself. He's talking to himself, even to the point that he throws himself into the third person. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods. What a cr- crazy way to look at it. But I wonder if Jesus really taught in this way and, and shared this parable in this way because that's what we do as humans. We talk to ourselves. We try to uh, get us to a place where like, this is gonna be okay. This is the right thing to do. It's, it's fine if I do it this way. And so if I can have a conversation with myself, I can find some way to, to find it agreeable or to, to make it okay that I'm doing the right thing. But Jesus changes the conversation because God speaks up. So even when we're having this conversation with ourselves, God is listening in. That his ability to be in all places, to know all things. We even see this with Jesus earlier, that he knows the thoughts of man, even when they're not said out loud. So God speaks up to this rich guy, and he calls him fool. This night, your soul, the full being of yourself, will be required of you. And the things that you've prepared, what are they for? So is the one who lays up a treasure for himself. When we go after, when we become allow covetousness to take over our lives, it's required of us. And we're going to miss out on something. Because we're taking a blessing and we're using it for our own personal gain. And, and Jesus moves into the, is, calls it, is that when we have that, when we have that mentality, when it's all about us, when it's all self-focused, we miss the opportunity of being rich towards God. Now, what does rich towards God mean? It really is this. When you, really, when you dig in deep to the, the little translation in the original language, it means to give blessings of a salvation to all. And so when Jesus is using this term, it's not about being wealthy towards God, It's not about having an abundance of possessions. That's what he's teaching. It's about seeing that we get to be a part of the kingdom move of God. We get to see the gospel move throughout people's lives and transform people's lives for the glory of God. That's being rich towards God. And so he's leading and teaching his disciples, don't get caught up in the brokenness of your humanity. Seek out the presence of who I am in your life. Because in that, you're going to see an abundance of the move of the gospel transform this world, and I want you to be a part of that. God wants to bless us with being a part of his kingdom movement. He wants to bless us with being a part of all the transformation he's going to do throughout the world. That's nuts. That's way better than any pocketbook full of cash. That's way better than any cart full of toilet paper. That's way better than the nicest car in the biggest house. God wants us to be a part of his mission and a part of his plan. And so he's leading us to say, check your heart. This is a heart condition. It's an issue that you've got to wrestle with. You've got to care and guard yourself against. Don't let this greed, this this idol of, of wealth and money and possessions take over your life. Because if that becomes your only focus, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out. So some of you who are listening, you're like, Hey Jason, this is a great passage and, and I'm I'm glad you're preaching it, but I don't have an abundance of stuff, so I don't have super great wealth, and I'm kind of just getting by, and I'm kind of living paycheck to paycheck, and even in these days, that's a tough thing, too. Am am I really making it? Am I going to make it? Is my business going to make it? We're asking all these questions, and so this is good teaching, but honestly, it just doesn't have a whole lot of meaning for me because I'm not that farmer. I wasn't rich to begin with, and my harvest, it is not plentiful right now. And so you're about to check out on me, but here's what I want to encourage you to not do. Don't check out on this word yet. Because uh, Jesus is not talking about the economy of abundance here. Again, he's talking about the heart issue of humankind, of man. And he's trying to pull out the point of, of what he's wanting to show us and reveal to us that in the depth of who you are, the way that you were created, Sin can creep up, the sin of greed, the sin of covetousness can creep up and take over ourselves. And He wants us to give this abundance to us. He wants to bless us with being a part of His mission and a part of His purpose. And so I want to encourage you guys with three things today of why this matters to you, because God has called us towards three things. And this parable helps us unfold uh, what He wants us to be a part of and how He's asking us to be a part of it. And it's so powerful. And no matter what you feel like your paycheck may be or what your possession amounts may be or how your lifestyle may be, we all have a role. There's two friends I want to tell you about real quick. Uh, one is a friend of mine from a uh, time when I lived in California. This guy, uh, probably one of the wealthiest men I, I know, without a doubt, and maybe I will ever know. And he had a, I don't know what else to call it, I'll call it a kingdom. He really had a kingdom, multiple homes, multiple homes. Um, lots of really cool toys. He had a thriving financial business uh, and he was doing well for himself. He traveled the world. He climbed mountains like Everest. I mean, he had stories. This guy truly, like if you saw a photo of him, you're like, this is the most interesting man in the world. You'd want to spend time with him. He had the greatest mustache I've ever seen. Like it's just that guy when you sit down with him, you think, man, he has something to say. I want to hear what he has to say. And so I remember sitting down with him uh, one of the first times as I got to know who he was. And he's just sharing some stories about his family, about his business. He's sharing stories about his adventures, um, just about how God has blessed him. And this is one of the things that blew my mind. He looked at me and said, Jason, God has blessed me in these ways, and I just want to be a blessing back for his kingdom. And so he essentially just said, my kingdom is yours, if it's a home, if I can bless you with time in one of my homes, if it's a possession, if you, if you wanna borrow my boat and use it for ministry or just to get away to bless your family, I wanna bless you with that. If there's a way that I can come along and support you, I want my life, the way that God has blessed me, to be a blessing to you. He was literally across the conference room in his office offering me the keys to his kingdom and saying, all of mine is yours to use. All of mine is yours to be blessed by. And one of his big goals in life was before he would retire, that his company, his business, would be able to give a million dollars away every year towards the purpose of loving others and sharing the gospel. How powerful is that? So the wealthiest man I've ever met and probably will ever know His life, he understood that to be a blessing, but his blessing was not about his own personal gain. He wanted to give it all away, and he had everything. Totally outside of my scope. So here's about another person that I know. I was in uh, Mexico one time, years, years back, in a small town called uh, outside of Monclova, so Laredo is right on the border down in Texas and Mexico. Just a little while into the Mexico and across the border, there's a city called Monclova. Just outside of that city, there's just a small town. This small town existed mostly of women and children because all the men had moved to the United States to make money, and they were sending the money back home so their, their wives and their kids could have food on the table. It's a very, very poor little town. And we're there, we're building a church for this town, uh, one of the first ones they've seen in years. And they're providing for us and feeding, we're playing soccer with their kids. And one afternoon, one of the ladies that was helping making food for us as we were building this church said, I would love for you to come to my home. What a blessing to be invited into somebody's home. And so we followed her and her sons back to their home. And it was literally probably uh, eight or nine feet by nine feet literally adobe walls, dirt floors, thatch roof. And she welcomed us into her home. She had swept her floors, dirt floors. She had swept her floors to make it neat for us. She offered us food and drink to make us feel at home. She told us her story and she said it with a smile. She felt the abundance of the Lord's blessing on her life. And folks, All things from my world of understanding, she had physically nothing. She had one room with a handful of kids. Her husband was in the States. Who knows when to return? And she was offering all that she had to serve and to love and to be hospitable towards us. The Lord had blessed her in some powerful way in her heart and in her soul, transformed her life with the gospel. And she wanted to take that blessing and bless others with it. And so whether you're my friend in California or my friend in Mexico, whether you have more than most of the world or less than most of we could ever imagine having so little, they both chose to take their blessings and to bless others with it. And so no matter where we are on the spectrum, we have something to bless others with. And so here's what we're called to do. The first thing is this, called to give our first fruits to God's storehouse, to God's kingdom work. We're called to do that. We're called to take that. It goes all the way back to the very, very beginning of his culture, his community, of his people back in the early books of the Old Testament. In Malachi 3.10, we see this. We're called to bring the the first fruits of our harvest to the storehouses, so that God's house, God's church, as we understand it now today, will be full of all it needs as provisions. We're called to give to the church, but in Proverbs three nine, we're supposed to bring the full tithe because that's how we honor the Lord with our wealth. When we bring that full tithe, that first fruits back to God, we honor the Lord with the blessing that he's blessed us with. It's sacrificial, it's obedient, it's being faithful to a faithful God, it's being a part of his kingdom movement through his church, through his his works, through his people. It's powerful and we're called to be a part of that story with him. And it, it is, again, I wanna say this and so it's so clear that it's an obedient sacrifice, it's an act of worship to give in that respect. In that way. And, and then God's inviting us to be a part of that. It's not that He's saying if you don't do this, you're not reaching a mark. He's saying, No, I'm inviting you to be a part of my work. There's an invitation to be a part of this with God, which is so powerful. The second thing is this: Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9 that we are to give cheerfully. It's not about the amount or or what it is, but that we give with a cheerful heart that we find joy in blessing others. We find joy in giving to his kingdom work through the church. We find joy in letting our lives be a part of the movement of God, that it makes us smile in some ways. It makes us feel so uh, a part of something bigger than us and that it it ultimately leads us to tell the story of Jesus, to make his name known because we find that joy in that, being something that's bigger than us. And then thirdly, it's we're called to experience a blessing. And again, this is not about an economy. So it's not like, hey, God, if I give you 10, will you give me 100? That's not what this is saying at all. But it is clear throughout Scripture, even going back to Malachi 3.10, that the Lord will open up the heavens and pour down a blessing. Even Malachi says that we're to test the Lord, that we bring the full tithe through the storehouses, and then we, we show that to so God, okay, what are you going to do with this tithe? And then God is going to open up the windows of heaven and he's going to pour down this blessing upon the people that have provided this tithe, that have been obedient, that have been sacrificial, that have been faithful with the blessing that he's given. That God wants to bless you. We've been called to receive the blessing of God to be a part of that journey, a part of his work with Him. It's powerful. But when we say, I don't have the abundance, we shut all that down. When we start having these self-conversations like the rich man, it's like, what can I gain for myself? What can I build build bigger so that I can have more and then I can just shut down and just focus on just me and I can eat and I can be merry and I can party and just do life? What do I do when my heart condition becomes focused on just the possessions but not the opportunity of being a part of a movement that's bigger than I am? When we have that mentality, we basically shut down all of these things. We say, God, I don't wanna give to you. We say, God, I I want joy. I want to find contentment and happiness and everything in this life, but I'm shutting it out because I'm not willingly to give sacrificially and obediently back the faithfulness and the blessing that you've given me. And then we miss out on the blessing that he's gonna give us back. Being rich towards God, being a part of the movement that we get to share and bless salvation to everyone through that. And it's a tough thing. So here's, here's what I want you to do. Because this is hard to measure. I think it's for all of us, no matter where we are financially, no matter where we are in our lives, no matter what your age is. So kids, if you're, and as you're listening to this, this is about you too. You can be really small or really tall. It does not matter. This is for you, that God is calling you out to bring your first fruits. God is calling you out uh, to, to give cheerfully, to be part of this cheerfully. And, and God wants to bless you and welcome you into that movement. And so we, at Westwood we use these words all the time. Time, talents, treasure, and touch. And so with those words, we, those are the ways that we believe and desire to see our church give sacrificially, to participate in the kingdom movement of God. And so what I want you to do is pull out your digital worship guide, and then there's the section for worship notes in there, which is blank um, for this purpose. And so draw a big circle in that section right there. Just one big circle. And um I want you to draw in uh, segments enough, like pieces of the pie that represent your time, talent, treasure, and touch. So just four quadrants in there. Make like a little cross piece. And then in each corner, write time, talent, treasure, and touch. And here's where I want to challenge us today as a church. That if we're going to experience uh, this, if we're going to take care and guard our hearts against covetousness and recognize that God has blessed us with some things, no matter what volume or what that is, now he wants to use that through us to be part of his kingdom move. And you've got that quadrant in that circle. In different seasons of our life, you're gonna be able to give more in one area than in others. In some seasons, you're gonna be able to maybe bless financially others, bless the church financially. And in some seasons, you're gonna be able to bless more uh, with time than you will with money or with your financial blessings. In some seasons, you're gonna be able to give more of your touch. Maybe in some seasons, you're gonna be able to give more of your talent. But here's the thing. You can't pull a piece of the pie out and be whole. In all throughout your life, as you follow Jesus, all of those need to be active. You need to be pouring back sacrificially and obediently in all of those areas. Even though in seasons of your life, one might get smaller than the other, that's okay. But they're still active, there's still a process that we're a part of in the kingdom movement of God. And that's how God will bless us through that, to be a part of that kingdom movement. I think of the widow's might; She gave what she had. It seems so little in comparison to everyone else. But Jesus said she gave even more. She gave her time to come to the temple. And there's a there's part of the story that we can pull out and, and learn from. That it's not about what we have, but about how we give sacrificially and obediently and faithfully to the kingdom work of God. And as Jesus walks through this, it's a desire, and Keith said this statement at the end of his sermon last week, that never settle for the trinkets when you can have more of God. Never settle for the small things and the possessions when God God just wants to bless you abundantly with more of who he is. And when we give back sacrificially and obediently our time, talents, treasure, and touch, We begin to experience and know and walk with Jesus in a whole different way. And so here's the measure, church. If we're called to give our first fruits to the storehouse, if we're called to give cheerfully, if we're we're called uh, to give and experience blessing back from God, and if time, talent, treasure, and touch is the way we can measure that, is there any one of those four that are missing? Have you taken the piece out of the pie and put it to the side and say, I'll get back to that later? And if there is, how can you put it back in? Because we need to look at the fullness of our lives in this little uh, square, this little piece of pie and say, God desires to bless us in all four areas and we have the opportunity to bless back through all four areas. So all four areas need to be active in our life. So for you, what is it? What area may God be moving in you right now? When the Spirit be moving in you right now, and say, Hey, Jason, I want to give you, I want you to give a little bit more of your talent. Just, just in this next season, I have this opportunity for you. We heard from our uh, future potential elder candidates this morning. Here's two gentlemen that are saying, Lord, I think you want me to give a little bit more of my time and my talent in this next season to the movement of the of kingdom through this church. And so I'm going to obediently and sacrificially give of that. And their whole families are in. They heard the voice of God speak that truth to them and they're creating that space in that part of their life, their times and their talents. And it's to be beautiful, even in that, their touch on ministering to people, on their treasure, giving that fully over to God. As an elder, that is part of what we get to do to shepherd and to guide and to model and to lead the way. And here's two guys that are showing that to us. Coming humbly, as Tyler said, humbly before that. Even Jason used that word too, that humbly we come and worship to God. And so what about you? Are we gonna be the rich fool who who just wants to build bigger things, hold them in and just sit back and be lazy the rest of our life and miss the opportunity to be part of God's movement? Are we gonna take a deeper look We're gonna take care and guard ourselves. We're gonna heed the warnings of God that he desires for us to have this eternal perspective, this kingdom-mindedness, to be a part of his movement that is not only transforming my life and your life, but has the opportunity to transform the lives of everybody in your neighborhood, in your city, in this state, in our country, and in our world. God wants us to be a part of that with him. But we've got to look at our time, talents, treasures, and touch. And are we being obedient and sacrificial and faithful with those things in our life? And do we need to plug something back in? Church, let me pray for us this morning as we move forward to be a part of this as a church together. Lord, this is tough. It's, it's tough because it's a heart issue. And we've got to really look at our hearts. And we have to really evaluate where we are and how we think and how we respond, how we act in our everyday lives. And it all starts deep down in the root. And so, Lord, I just pray through the power of your spirit, will you heal and mend uh, and teach and lead us to point our hearts towards you, our souls towards you, that you are our attention, that you get all of our breath, you get all of our worship, you get all of our adoration. And out of that comes an overflow of of abundance, of blessing, of of participation in your kingdom movement. And Lord, practically, maybe it is a, I've set aside my time or I've set aside my talent or I've set aside my treasure or I've set aside my touch that I'm not even letting that be a part of my life right now. I put it off to the side and maybe I'll get to it later. Lord, will you just move in us and help us to see and hear you speak where you have us participating, that we have all of those as a part of our life and that we're using those things that you've blessed us with, those opportunities that you've blessed us with, those those moments that you've blessed us with to bless others back. Lord, teach us and guide us through that. Lord, it's a hard conversation to have in our souls. It's a hard conversation to have out loud, but Lord, we trust them to you. And Father, I just pray for our church as we move forward. What an awesome opportunity to be a part of the kingdom movement as a church together. We walk this path with you together. And we get to hear the stories of redemption, healed marriages, uh, the, the healings of our physical bodies from sickness, restoration in our lives, people coming to know you for the first time, to join in a relationship with you and walk towards the kingdom in eternity with you, people being baptized in, in your waters to celebrate the life change in their hearts. So we get to be a part of those stories and we say thank you. Thank you for that. So Lord, we just come to you and we offer this in all that we have as a church. And Lord, we pray that the blessings that you've given us of no matter what value, Lord, may we be led and moved to bless others back in every possible way to be an outflow of your spirit's work within us in this coming week and in every day ahead. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we give this all in your incredible name of Jesus. Amen. Well, churches, we just wrap up our time this morning, we just love that you have been here and worshiping with us. And we're going to have this time called Sacred Space. It's 10, uh, 15 minutes of time just afterwards. So you guys can engage with the online hosts in the chat room, um, and even engaging with one another in that trap. And we want to encourage that. Hang out. Share what God's teaching you. Share something from the sermon that might have stuck out to you. Share something about the worship that, that moved you this morning. And and church, we're excited to be engaged as we step forward in, in all the different environments. We love you. We're consistently and daily praying for you each step of the way forward. Have a great week. How long was that? Wow, way longer than I thought.